What's up, everybody? Week four of the Mob Podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm your host, Caleb Okachuku. To my right of me, we got Marlo Wax. To my left of me, we got Jahad Carter. Ah, right, back in the building. <laughs> yeah, he back. <laughs> Took a break, huh? You back, huh? Back. Feeling all right? A little yeah. quick. He back. He I, thought he, I, thought he, I thought he tried to leave, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. He, he back, scared though. the people a little bit. Yeah, huh? yeah. asking about you. you can't be Feeling good, that, though? You, everything good with you? Yeah, everything good. Everything good. <laughs> all right, back, back. So, uh, how y'all boys feeling, man? You know, we woke up 5-0 and this morning. Um, History. Went History. Right? And the AP, not the coaches. Last mm-hmm. week I said coaches, but it's... <laughs> It's AP this week, so um, they showed me some love though. I was on the little oh <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> what you was throwing up with your hands? Yeah, though? what you was throwing? Oh, that was four. That was four. But I guess they put on that because it was forty-four. Oh, uh, uh, I think about <laughs> that. I didn't even peep that though. Yeah. Okay, Harvey, my yeah. hobby. Yeah, you gotta watch our hobby in there. Don't fly in this mm-hmm. little. Uh, nah, but uh, um, trying to get more though. We rank, but we for try. sure trying to get more though. We ain't satisfied with that. Not at all. Um, again, like kind of like what I said last week, low right. I think, you know, for us, you know, we we're five and zero right now. But I just think the hunger just builds that much more. Ooh, yeah. You know, for everybody, I could just Ooh, see yeah. it and like just how we practice and the way we play. It's like it's a blessing to be you know five and zero first. But at the same time, it's like we, we're just so hungry to keep it going, honestly. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, just going into the game, obviously, you know, we did what we were supposed to do. You know, we we handle business, kind of like Coach White was saying, like let's go out there and just handle business. We didn't overlook them or anything like that. Mm-hmm. We just did what we were supposed to do. That's what I saw. So, just for you guys, because I think you know it's easy to talk about our preparation, but how do you guys deal with um, going preparing for a team that you know you're supposed to win against? But it's like, what's your approach like for last week? Yeah, so I feel like I feel like the coaches they told us all week that like we gotta we gotta treat them like they're any other team in the conference because they really can. We've seen it. Like we seen it uh, early in the season, teams losing the teams that they're supposed to beat. Yeah. So we know we didn't want to. Yeah, we know we ain't want to be that. We ain't want to be one of them teams, mm-hmm. the laughing stock of the nation, because mm-hmm. people have been talking about them losses all week. Yeah. We can be talking yeah. with them the rest of the year. So mm-hmm. we know we had to prepare, get ready, and just treat them high, treat them like just like everybody else. No, nah, for sure. What you hot? Um, preparing for them like you know they had players that were good. Mm-hmm. You know, so Facts. it was like. You loaf on the play like that can you know Spoiled turn into something big. Mm-hmm. So you know just going into that like with the with the mindset is like you know we don't, no touchdowns giving up like nothing like so just having that you know hungry mindset like going into that game like no matter who who is in front of us like well, no matter who it is like just going to that game we are gonna give it all every time. No, for sure. And I, I think you know what you guys saying is so real because you know obviously for me I just tried to just not think about. Um, I think you know games like this. As a college athlete, you know, it's easy to be like, I'm going to do what I want to do. But, you know, you, you, like you go into it like, okay, I want to try to get some stats, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I've learned over time to shoot everything the same. So I, I do things like I tell myself, it's, it's coming. Yeah. Like it, it's coming. It's, it's coming. Like it's going to come. Um, and I think when you have that mindset, no matter who you're playing, because we don't care what color mm-hmm. coming to the dome. If they're if they in that dome, they ain't cross from us. Anybody can get it. Yeah. You feel me? So. You know, so just just um, you know, just going into the game, you know, what like what were some top moments for you guys? Obviously, a lot of people got in this week. So what were just some things that y'all remember from the game? For me, it was just a I feel like like us since we are a little bit like the older cats, just to see the young bucks getting yeah, in, like man, like the walk ons, like, yeah. like my boy like Ryan Dolan, Dolan. Hey, people like them, Dolan, like man. just to see them go in and just 
just get that opportunity to play in front of the dome for so their dream can really come true. Mm-hmm. Play, get a snap in college football, get their first tackle and all that. That made me happy because mm-hmm. them boys work hard just like us. They mm-hmm. in practice with us every day, summer runs. Them boys grinding Dang. with us. That's uh, what people don't know. Yeah, I was like, happy. I was happy for them for them to get the opportunity that we get to have every Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, piggybacking on what Lo said, like you know, like seeing. Not just people in my position group, but you know, and like Dolan, and you know, like Yo, mm-hmm. and like people like that, like getting in and actually getting a chance to, you know, show what they can do. Like, you know, somebody that is in my room, um, you know, like Malcolm and uh-huh. you know, like Braylon. Folk, Bo, Bo, everything Bo Bray. been through for him to yeah. really get some smoke. Oh yeah. yeah, got in there two tackles back to back. Pull it up. I was in there with him. Hey, it was one play. He came down here. I said, Oh yeah, Bo. Oh. He said, He said, You know, I got you, twin. You know, I, you know so I, I was like, All right, shout out to Bo, man. Uh-huh. What y'all saying is definitely dope. I think for me, you guys know I'm the oldest in my room, so oh, seeing yeah. my young bulls. Going to game, you know, young Francois Noten. That's like my little brother for real. So young Kevin, y'all look like <laughs> chill. <guys. laughs> Yo, y'all ain't gonna keep coming you up here every week. Like. Y'all ain't gonna keep coming up here every week and trying me like this, like the whole world. I'm That's your little going. brother, though. Y'all, that is, man. Y'all time. look alike. Chill, go gang. I'm handsome. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but now, though, uh, you know, shout out to young Francois Noten, um, Kevin yeah. Jobity, yeah, Kevin, um, Kevin Benzo. Yeah, Kevin. A, Kevin got in. And that's that's one person he ain't been playing football that long. He started his senior year. They yes. said so for so. him to be picking it up this quick and making plays. That's lit. And just just to sorry, Kev, but that's a little story. <laughs> the whole game, Kevin on the sideline like doing high knees. What? I'm I'm looking at him like, you all right? What you doing? He's like. <laughs> I'm telling you, bro, when I get in, I'm going to make plays. Uh, I said, all right, all right, all right, man, show me something. I said, all right, show me something. So he on the sideline doing high knees. He going to first play TFL. I'm like, mm. all right. Like, I was laughing because I'm like, he wasn't lying to me. Like, he, he, he was just so ready. ready and so focused. And like I was just saying, I think even for me, like, I kind of wanted to just do what we had to do early so we could just get out there and let everybody else play. Because yeah. what you were saying about Dolan, people don't know that, right? And like, when you're a walk-on, it's like you, you, they come to 6.30 meetings with us. They practice hard, mm-hmm. and they know, like, they might – it's a high chance that they probably won't play. Wanna, yeah. So it's like to have that kind of mindset, you know, it's just like you really got to be mentally tough. So I think for me, just, just seeing everybody get a chance to get in and, you know, what to get what they've earned was dope for real. All right, so, guys, uh, y'all know we 5-0 and now. Mm-hmm. And I think they're saying that we're 5-0 and since the last time we do was 1987. 30, 30, 35 years ago? 35? That's crazy. That's a long time. That's a very <laughs> long time. I think um, the team that was from 1987, they went undefeated that, that season, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, it's actually crazy because, you know, we got a legend in the building today. Yes, um, you know, his resume speaks for itself. Uh, he actually was a starting quarterback for the 1987 undefeated team. Um, and that's Don McPherson. Um how you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing I'm doing better because y'all won, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, first, we just appreciate you just coming on the podcast and you know, just, just spending time with us. Um, you know, we up until this point, you know, we've had so many special people just come back and just talk to us. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had Coach Beheim tell us stories. And <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie to you, though. You know, I, I, did my, I did my homework. Like, last night, I was watching some highlights of Crazy. that team. Uh, you guys, you guys were legit. Like, um, just for starters, can you just talk about just the mindset going into that season, um, the, like the, the togetherness of the team? Like, what was what was you guys' mindset and, and focus for that year? 
we had a, a number of we had a lot of fifth year guys mm-hmm. and who had been together for a while and mm-hmm. we felt like we underachieved for four years. The previous year. Yeah. We were five and six the year before. We had pretty much everyone coming back for that, that last year, minus a couple of guys. But the defense we had you know, our secondary we had started together for a year. Uh, we had young guys on the O line, but we took a pledge to be alcohol free prior to that season. We were five oh, and six the year before. Okay. And it went, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Can you imagine? And we, it wasn't like we were, had a, That's we, real. We had a, it, everybody was legal to drink in 19, you know, in those years, you were 18 years old. So it wasn't like, you know, we had guys underage drinking and sneaking around. Yeah. It was just our culture. We had a bar on campus. We used to give a free keg to the football team on Wednesday nights. That Jeez. bar doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> right? Long gone. So we had, we had a gone. lot of That's guys a long time who, ago. Yeah, we had a lot of guys whose priorities were just not right, and right. then we got them right. And, and it wasn't 100%, but I always say this, and I talk about this all the time. I talked about it last night with some students, that it forced us to care about each other differently. Right? Mm-hmm. It forced us to get to get closer to, to, with each other. And that was the thing that that team. I'm still we're still on like a there's twenty of twenty or thirty of us that text on a regular basis. Yeah, brothers. Wow. And that was thirty. Yeah, exactly, yeah. brothers, right? And and we've buried each other. We've married each other wow. off. We got kids named after each other. All that stuff. And so that was. If you said anything about that team, um, I would tell you that that was the first thing that we really did care about each other, and and had fun. Yeah, like we we time. we had you know George D. Leon, who's our offensive coordinator, just passed away early this year. When I talked to him right before, he, probably about two months before he passed, and he said the thing that he remembers is how much fun we had preparing, how much fun we had in practice, mm-hmm. uh, how much we loved getting ready for. We were a little different back then. I called yeah. a lot of my own plays. I, I uh, uh, right. for real? So, yeah, so yeah. We were, it was a little different. We had a lot more. Um, I don't know. I guess we had a lot more freedom. Yeah. Um, to, okay. to, to, to run the offense the way we want to run. But I, I will tell you right now, I got a lot of credit. People t- said I was, you know, should have been the best player in the country, the Heisman Trophy. I wasn't the best player in my own huddle. Mm-hmm. I'm telling the truth. I was not. Daryl Johnston was in that huddle. Tommy Kane was in that huddle. John Flannery was in that huddle. Offensive lineman. I mean, we had some Dar- – uh, Robert Drummond. Wow. Robert, I don't know y'all, if y'all know Robert Drummond. He still lives here in Syracuse. He was like MVP to CFL like three or four years. Okay. He was a baller. Yeah. yeah, and so oh, we wow. had guys on all – Rob Moore, who played in the NFL for a number of years. Um, we had some balls. And you know what? Our defense was better than the offense. Really? No joke. Our defense was – Y'all was scoring a lot of points though. offense. Yeah, I was about to say. You, but nah, you know you... what? The defense was giving us the ball. Facts. That's facts. So I got a question. What was the go-to play? Like who was who you going to when you needed a play to be made? Yeah. Man. I will honestly say one of the one of the best runs I've ever been a part of was Daryl Johnston against West Virginia. He dragged he dragged some of my offensive linemen into the end zone. Um, Rob Moore, you know, Rob Moore was our second string wide receiver, mm-hmm. and he would come in the game. He he had probably I think two of the longest pass plays of the year. And then Deval Glover was the starter, but Deval was solid. I can't even tell you we had to go to. Okay, you right? said it was more free, so like you. That like was that a trust thing or just we we were doing stuff that that nobody else was doing because we had the personnel to do it yeah. and 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 offenses at the time were kind of kind of predictable we we were pretty much running three different offenses that we stole from other people mm-hmm. we stole some of Miami's past game we stole this whole package from Tennessee where they flexed the tight end and so if they walked the wide the linebacker out we do different things differently and then we were running the um, the, the freeze option off the main line so we can come to the line mm. of scrimmage. And I can put five guys out in the pattern, or we can run a trap option into the boundary. Yeah. 
right? So, so. It, it was like we, we were just tough because we can come to the line of scrimmage and do so much. And because I had the freedom to, to do it, we would just have packages. Like I just go sometimes go in the huddle and just say, check with me. Yeah, and go to line scrimmage and call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Your coach yeah, trusted you. They had to be together. Yeah, yeah. Had that kind of trust. I don't know. We did that now. Y'all think Shredder sure, sure could do that? Hey, I don't know. I now, nobody think... in college football does that. <laughs> yeah, anymore. yeah, I don't think nobody. Nobody. Yeah, I'll be holding up signs, holding <laughs> up <to> the sideline. <laughs> oh, different yeah, yeah, pictures of Madonna and Rihanna. I'm like, what the hell is that? Yeah, we can't do all that. Not at all. Nah, that's dope. All right, so um, just just taking it all the way back real quick. Um, you you grew up. You know, you were born in Brooklyn. Born in Brooklyn, raised on Long Island. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you were, like, was it a, a dream to go to Syracuse? Like, was it? You know what? My brother, I had two brothers. One was ranked second in the world as a middleweight fighter, and and while I was here, and the other one while I was That's here, a was, good bloodline, right there. Yeah, my other brother, was, <laughs> my other brother was playing for the Chargers oh. in San Diego. That's a and, and, and in college, he went to the University of New Haven, Division Three. He was the first player drafted in New Haven into the NFL. And I remember him sending me. I don't know. I guess it was probably his sophomore year. At New Haven in 1979, he sent me an article from uh, in the regular mail, right from from uh, Sports Illustrated that said it was a small article. Syracuse University is building a dome. And my brother was like, "Can you imagine that?" He played in a baseball stadium. Mm. His college football played yeah. in a baseball stadium, yeah. Quigley Field in, yeah. in New Haven, and and I used to go up there like a little kid, right? Mm -hmm. He said Syracuse is building a dome. I had no idea what that even meant, right? Yeah. And then two years later, you know, George O'Leary was calling me up saying, "Hey, we want you to come to Syracuse." I'm like. For real? Like, right. I didn't even think about yeah. it. And it wasn't, you know, it's, it's hard to, to, to compare that time to this time. ESPN didn't exist. I was about to say, yeah. was, was right. facts, though. Forget was about, that, yeah. forget about Twitter, media Instagram, Instagram. Right, all different. that stuff. Yeah. You, you couldn't, like I said, my brother wrote me a letter. Yeah. He put a, a, a cut out an article from a, um, a magazine and put it in an envelope and put it in the mailbox. Yeah. Right, that's how I found crazy. out about the dome. Yeah, that's crazy. So how how did you know about like top players in the country? Like since because you, you guys didn't have media, y'all didn't even really have phone. Like phone? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. no phone. The phone. Yeah. phone. <laughs> the phone was attached to a wall with a cord. So y'all oh, so really had to get it off <laughs> No, but see, and this is what I say about like you know historically about about athletes and things like you said top athletes. You had to be a baller back in the day. You had to be consistent. Mm -hmm. Like you can right now you can have a breakout game and ESPN will highlight you and pub you up. Yeah, right? yeah, so, right. And you can post it and there all of a sudden you yeah. look like a, a winner, right? Mm -hmm. Back in the day you really had to perform week in and week out to get that attention. And and, and by my senior year we were you know, I mean that that was the whole thing about about the Heisman. It's and by the way, this still exists. Like people go to bed at, at ten o'clock at night and don't watch West Coast games, right? Uh, so so yeah. that that existed back then too. Mm -hmm. Like if you were a Northeast reporter, you only saw Northeast football mm -hmm. yeah. if you were lucky, yeah, right. But it was only one game on a weekend, or maybe two games on a weekend. There was no Thursday night games and Wednesday, oh yeah, yeah, Tuesday I, night I, games. I didn't do that like, back nah, then. They, they did that. So right. what? Yeah, go ahead. So back to like you said, Long Island, Brooklyn, New York. So yeah. was it? Let's get a little more insight. Was it always football, or was you like Facts. an athlete? Did you play different sports? How was that coming up? I was a, um, I was a high jumper. I was state oh, champion okay. high jump, okay. and a hurdler in track. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, see, yeah, he, yeah, he did yeah, a lot. Yeah, he did everything. He did a lot. <laughs> yeah, he did so, everything. I wanted to run track here, but they wouldn't let me because Coach, my old coach Mac, he wanted me because he said you're a quarterback. You have to be studying all, all mm, winter long. So. That's fat. Um, he was calling your own plays. So. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, had yeah, to. Yeah, say, it's all, it's all <laughs> it had to be locked in. Yeah. yeah that's love. Um, you know, you, you were talking about um, just the, the mindset of the team and the togetherness that you guys had. Like, where did that come from? Was it 
you were just tired of losing or it was just like, nah, like I, I think guys, it's time for us to make a change. And how did you get guys to listen to you? Good question. And, and, and a couple of things about what's different now is most of the guys that, like I played, my, my next door neighbor um, was John Garrett. He was, he was our center. I played a high school all-star game against John. Mm -hmm. His roommate was a guy named Tom Watson. Tom Watson was one of the, one, one of the awards on Long Island where I was from as player of the year. So we kind of knew each other. We kind of all kind of grew up in, in and around each other. Mm -hmm. And and so and the other thing, because we were so so many guys were, were so close, we didn't recruit nationally like y'all do now. And so our families knew each other. Oh, and our families nice. would come in and and we had a family section in the dome, mm -hmm. right? So they all kind of knew each other. So we, so we did have a, a good family environment. Our old coach Mac, you know, a lot of his coaches had been with him a long time. He was a, he was a New England guy. He was a main guy, and so we had a lot of coaches even who who spent a lot of time together. And their families knew each other. Mm -hmm. Two of my coaches' mm -hmm. kids got married at one point. They didn't last very long, but they got married. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, all those we had a lot of those things happening, and so um, there was a sense of you you gonna let your boys down if you don't get this right. Yeah. And so when we made that pledge to be alcohol free, the guy who really, to my opinion, was was the one who made it work, was the guy who was the biggest partier. Was a guy named Pat Kelly because he was the one who said, "I'm down with this, right? Mm -hmm. let's, let's let's change things." And right. I, I always say, and I say this in, in all the lectures and everything I do, is that we learn to love each other differently, right? Wow. Loving each other didn't mean watching each other do stupid things and laugh about the next day, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, loving each other meant look asking more for each other, mm -hmm. more from each other, and for each other. And that's why we were better. Yeah. So this the this the you gotta be real with us. This the mob podcast. So was it was it any was it anybody that broke the rule? Oh yeah, it's plenty. So <laughs> y'all let us know it's how y'all handled that. So so because this is what happened. So because we started winning, right? Uh -huh. It was in USA Today that we were doing this, and I was quoted. And Tim Brown, who, who was at Notre Dame, told me that Lou Holtz showed the team, look what Syracuse is doing. Yeah. Right? So there was pressure on us uh -huh. to you know, get it right. So the couple of guys, I'm not going to name names, but there's one guy, really <laughs> well-known, famous guy who does announcing on Fox. Uh -huh. <laughs> right? he, he and a couple of other guys, his boys, they all went out like the night we did it. And here's what they did, though. There's a dollar bill out there somewhere. I don't know if they've ever found it, but they went into a bar and they had some beers, right? The night we decided we were going to go free. And they wrote on the dollar bill 11 and 0. Oh. So that dollar bill is out somewhere. there somewhere. Before the season started. Before the season started. Mm. And then then once we started winning, I mean, nobody wanted to get caught, right? Nobody yeah. wanted to be that yeah. guy, right? So it, everything toned down. And that guy, Pat Kelly, I talk about this all the time. We weren't really close friends until that year. And he said to me, Don, what do you do? Because I never went out. I didn't go out on Marshall Street and go to the bars and all that kind of stuff. He said, well, Marshall Street still was a thing. was back then. Marshall Street was back then, too. Oh, yeah, Marshall Street was off the hook back then. Not like it is now. Oh, it's still a thing. Yeah, there was a bunch of bars. Oh, so y'all was over there. What's the pizza spot on Marshall Street? On Marshall Street? Varsity. Varsity. No, Varsity was just pizza. Pizza and wings. No, there were, there were a bunch of other bars there. We had a we had a bar. See, now you're going to get me in trouble, right? There was, a, <laughs> there was a bar on campus that used to give the football team a free keg on every Wednesday Jeez. night. So when I got here, that was the thing. That was one of the things we got rid of. 
Mm. We were like, this, this is not good. I'm, and I'm, as a quarterback, when you go into the huddle in practice and you smell booze, you know guys are tired, <laughs> you know guys are hungover, you're not, right? And so our, that's why we were five and six. That's why we were underachieving because guys were partying more than they were preparing. Mm. And so we got rid of that. And, and it became a cultural thing. Like you could not, yeah, you can go out and, but you can't go out and get messed up. You can't go out and get because you know because you know you gonna, yeah we gonna call mm-hmm. you out on it the next day. And once we started winning, it was like yeah. you know, that was right. the pressure. Yeah, let's keep it going. That was the pressure. It's crazy that you mentioned the Wednesday Wednesday night. So our equipment manager, I think he still was there. Our equipment manager, uh, Jimmy. Yeah. He told Jimmy. me he told me about how y'all used to go out on Wednesday nights, kind of practice. <laughs> yeah. Like, so that's really true, right there. Jimmy really told Jimmy me. Jimmy been around for a minute. Yeah, I think fifty years. Yeah. He said. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy, man. Going out on Wednesday night, I can't do that. Yeah. I don't know how they did that. I don't, I don't go out. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do that, though. Wednesday and Thursday. Okay. So, I mean, I get the bigger purpose for, like, the non-alcohol, but, like, was there a reason why it was alcohol? Was, like, do you feel like it was? It was because it was a part of, it was a, such a part of the culture on our team. Uh, like, it was. Heavy drinkers. Yeah. Okay. Not just heavy drinkers, but, like, when I got to, to, to the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles, there was a keg on tap in the locker room. Right, That's it was a crazy. different time. I played with guys who smoked <laughs> cigarettes at halftime. Right? Dang, yo, what? It was <laughs> what? So, oh yeah, I know. <laughs> the, 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 I will say this: there's so much that has changed um, in ways that you can criticize where how the change has been. But but the, the health of y'all, like we didn't have water breaks. Like we had <laughs> water, but you had to, we had like a concerted water break. Like okay, now we're all gonna go get water. Uh, you could practices. just go get water. Practice, right? We had two days. We practiced twice a day. Oh Lord, right? I ain't gonna lie. I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of things in that regard that, that have changed dramatically for the better. Yeah, for the better. Yeah. So let's just speed up a little bit. Talking about like throughout the season and stuff. Was it? I hear you talking about the preparation and all that with the coaches. So when was that game? When was that moment where y'all really felt like like we really can do this? Like we really can go eleven and zero. Yeah. Like Facts. we really can be something right now. So we were. Our first few games, we, we played Rutgers and uh-huh. Maryland, and um, I can't remember who else we played early in early in season. Yeah, beat up on Maryland. We beat up on Maryland. We, we beat up on everybody. Hold on, everybody. I know your back then. I know your pops. I know. But we we played Penn State. We hadn't beat Syracuse hadn't beat Penn State in about 16, 17 years, mm-hmm. and they were the defending national champs. And we had a week off, before, just like y'all right now. Mm-hmm. We were five and zero. Had a week off, Ooh. and we were playing. It's very similar. Ooh. Very, <laughs> very hey, similar. Hey, hold on, I, right. I gotta get a dollar bill. Hold on. <laughs> That's right. And we had Penn State coming in town. And all of a sudden, we were in that two weeks span, like y'all have right now. Right. Everyone got really excited about it. So there were parades, and there was a song about us, and there was a song about me, and, and, and all of a sudden, <laughs> you remember I, I the was, song? <laughs> you yeah, remember I'm not gonna tell you. That's an off camera. No, it was a, it was a silly song. Yeah. It was a silly song, but it was cool. It was yeah. cool, and and then we um, uh, CBS was coming into town, and first play of the game, it was like you had to go to play right. It was this run pass. It was a you know a fake option, uh, and, and a Rob Moore in the post. That might be some people might not understand that, but I yeah, got you. yeah. I got you. they'll figure why. <laughs> they'll figure it out. I did this right, <laughs> Back. And, and it was an eighty yard touchdown pass first play of the game. Again, on national television, and by the way, this was when like national television meant it wasn't. Mm. It was the game. Mm-hmm. Right? It was CBS. Brent Musburger, who you know, y'all might know not not remember, but it, it would be like the, the number one. Um, yeah. You know, Her- Herb Street and, and what's his name? Yeah. Um, and so, first play of the game, we go eighty yards, 
and and the the noise in the dome was incredible, yeah. and we we were we were beating the defending national champs forty one nothing with eight minutes left in the third quarter. Damn. So when when you asked, it was there a moment? It was that moment. It was it was that moment when we were up forty one nothing in the third quarter, and we yeah. took our starters out against the defending national champs that we hadn't beaten in seventeen years. That's crazy. And we, were, and we were just that was that was a mic drop moment for us, and we just knew from there. Oh yeah, we if if we lose a game, it's on us. Yeah, they knew. What it. was that we could practice like? You just y'all knew like we knew, mm. we we knew we 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 were we were we got cocky, <laughs> you know y'all cocky too, yeah. right? <laughs> it's okay sometimes. Yeah, you okay. we got we got cocky, and we knew that if we did our job, we can beat anybody. Mob mentality. That's the mob yeah. mentality. The mob, mob like, mentality. It's like, like the mob back then. Y'all was mobbing back then. That's <laughs> yeah. what it sounded like. Yeah. yeah. If you if we do us, that's, that's like, right. Hey. And um, I think just hearing that is so dope. But just talking about a little bit about yourself, um, you know, we everybody knows that during that season, you were killing it, and a lot of people say that you should have won the Heisman that year. Yeah. Just was that was that a goal of yours? You know, going into that season, like, did you have it written down, or like, did you just? You know, you just wanted to win. So when, when I was in high school, I was a sophomore in high school. I transferred to a high school, and, and a lot of my teammates, a lot of drinking going on, stuff like that. High and school, too? High school. Oh, yeah. Sheesh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was just a, that era was just, y'all just love alcohol. Yeah, was, yeah. So I remember telling all my friends in high school, I'm not going to have a beer until I win the Heisman Trophy. Mm. I told that to my friends in high school. I never said that here. And I, I will tell you what I said, and I'll say it again. I say it over and over. People want to tell, say I should have won the Heisman and blah, blah, blah. First of all, the Heisman is not the true best player in the country. It's not. If you, if, like, if you look at the Heisman right now, there's two te- two players from the same team. Come on. Are y'all yeah. paying attention to what's yeah, going yeah. on true. in college football? Yeah. True. And there's more than just running backs and quarterbacks playing college football. Yeah. If, you are yeah. truly a, if you truly know the game, you know there's some – Badass offensive linemen out there. There's mm-hmm. badass defensive backs and yeah. linebackers, yeah, right? So, and defensive yeah. linemen who do their job and are football players, sure. not yep, popular. They're yeah. football players, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Yeah. So, if, and that's why I say I wasn't the best player in my huddle because I wasn't. I was not. I was not a better football. I was not a better quarterback than Daryl Johnston was a fullback. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a better quarterback than John Flannery was a left guard, right? So this is a game. This is a team game. Yeah. And, and you can't be – there's no such thing as the best player in college football. There's yeah. no such thing because you can't be your best player unless your boys are doing their job. That's yeah. a great perspective to think. Yeah. I ain't never really think of yeah. it like that. You can't. It's, 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 it's almost antithetical to the game. There's no other team sport like ours. Yeah. Yeah. You go on the field sometimes with a guy who's 300 pounds and a guy who's 185 pounds in the same huddle. That's real. I love, I love the way he's doing that, like just giving love to everybody, everybody whole team yeah. around you, everybody That's around selfish. you. Where you like? Where'd you get that from? With that, your family, your mom. Yeah, your you know what? I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's. It, I think if you talk to players, I think y'all would say the same thing. Oh no, yeah. You would say the same yeah. thing about yeah. right. It's just. It's just that people want to like with me, especially here in Syracuse. People want want to put me up on this pedestal. Mm-hmm. Like I was the reason all that stuff happened. Nah, man. If you know the real, if you know the facts, there's everybody in that building. Every, it's everybody, everybody in that building, building, right? And so, and so, I I feel like I have to be almost evangelical about that. That's right. Because otherwise, I'm doing y'all a disservice, mm-hmm. right? And letting and letting you know Garrett think that he's the man. He's mm-hmm. the man, right? Yeah. But he's not the man unless his own line is doing their job. 100%. He's not the man unless unless his receivers are getting open. He's not the man unless unless you know Sean is is, is making things easier for him, mm-hmm. right? And he's not the man unless the defense is giving him the ball in good situations. Facts. Facts. So so we, you got to keep those things in perspective because that's how teams win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you battle that though? Because 
obviously our era is different from your yeah, era. Yeah. We got a lot more distractions. Y'all got a lot more. You know, just being honest, I think in today's society, it's like, I know, like, for me personally, I love the game so much, but it's like with social media, Twitter, Instagram, the newspaper, it's like all you're doing is comparing yourself yeah. subconsciously, right? So it's like, how, like, what would you say to us today to get to, like, your type of thing? I, I appreciate that question because it is one of the things that, that frustrates me about between NIL, Transfer Portal, and I've said this about y'all, and I've been asked a couple times, what's, what's impressed you about this team? And I said, well, first of all, y'all don't care what anybody thinks, because if you care what anybody thinks, you'd be 0-5, yeah. mm -hmm. right? So, That's um, nice. Number one. Number two, in this era of transfer and NIL, to your point, mm -hmm. y'all have come together as a team really quick this year. Yeah. It's, and it shows, it shows yeah. and that's impressive because you've seen it in other other teams around the country where even I think you know one of the coaches Nick Saban man saying um, you you see a lot of teams playing like a bunch of individuals mm -hmm. and not playing as a team. And I think that that's that's um, harder to do nowadays because of everything you're talking about. Uh, I think y'all need to be intentional and deliberate. I keep saying this about a lot of things in our in our culture right now because if you don't. If you're not intentional and deliberate about a lot of things, there's so many distractions and so many different perspectives um, that you all have to be really intentional and deliberate about working against all those things and find time and find space to, like I said before, love each other, do things for each other and with each other in ways that get you away from all the distractions and all the noise so that you can really appreciate each other. Because that's what, that's what happens when you're on the field, right? When you start to appreciate... How your how your brother's how he's handling his business, yeah. right? And yeah. you can see that look on his face. Oh man, I gotta help out a little nah, bit for in sure. this regard, yeah. right? And so, and when you get to know each other in those ways, that's when that that stuff sh shows up on the field. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, so you know, I gotta ask because you know, off camera we were talking a little bit, and <laughs> I just gotta know. So you know, you lived on South Campus just like we did. Yes. <laughs> and you know, I asked you. If, is it any different from 1987 to 2022? And you said it looks the exact <laughs> it's the same, same. same buildings, yeah. Just, just painted differently. Yeah, just painted a little bit. <laughs> so different. no AC. Oh, no AC. Y'all two don't know about that. Nah, I yeah, don't. Y'all have AC? I was the last class oh, you that came in with, or that led on South through a camp. Those hot, like those hot yeah. summers on South, yep. no AC. Yep. I bet my yeah. bet, like my, I still had my fan. I'd be sweating in my sleep. Right. Like it was. Right. I used you to know be what boiling. we did during training camp? We stayed in Shaw Hall. Oh, really? And we weren't allowed to have cars. So we walked back and forth to Manly for during two days in the heat in the summer. <laughs> during two days, we had to walk from Shaw Hall to Manly. The only way, if you, the only way you could drive, a, first of all, we didn't have a cars. We weren't allowed to have a car during the camp. So, they, so we had to walk from Shaw Hall to Manly. I, I might see why everybody was drinking so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I bro. see why everybody yeah. was. You, know and you, would see, you would see guys who who were, had to go to uh, like therapy, so they would have ice bags on. You would see guys walking with ice bags on, sometimes crutches, right? To back and forth for two uh, days. That's it's like a thirty minute walk, right? Nah, it's not thirty minutes. It's really like ten minutes. It's like twelve minutes. It's like a thirty minute walk, man. <laughs> no, nah, it's like it's like ten minutes. It's like a ten minute walk but guys some guys would just stay at manly and sleep uh in, in manly because they didn't want to walk back to shore you know what kind of focus you gotta have yeah that's crazy no 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 you think you can do that now we didn't have no i couldn't do that now <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't have the distractions y'all had we didn't have phones and the internet that's facts, and kind of though, stuff. Yeah. so we didn't have those those kind of distractions mm -hmm. that y'all had all right so you know just for you and you know every obviously that 12 and that 11 and 0 season everybody saw how you were playing um highs and runner up so was then like go for you going to the NFL or like you know like what was your next steps when you were having the season that you were having? It it wasn't 
And and to be honest, back then, um, I would say that I wasn't a quarterback. I was a black quarterback. So mm-hmm. here I was. I led the nation in passing. Took a team to undefeated. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. <clears throat> and I got two NFL workouts. And so prior to the draft, I wrote a letter. Um, IMG was my was my agent, uh, guy named Peter Johnson at the time. I wrote a letter on IMG letterhead and sent it to every GM in the NFL, there's 28 teams at the time, telling them if they weren't going to play me at quarterback, do not draft me. Wow. Mm. So I got, I, I'm going to let wow. you know, I got a strong question wow. for you. Yeah, and so I even got a call from a coach. That's bold, uh, man. Uh, got him Sam White. She was coaching the Bengals at the time. And they had just – Either they just went to the Super Bowl or they went to the Super Bowl that, that year. And Boomer Siason, who played at Maryland, was from Long Island, was their quarterback. And Sam White called me first day of the draft and said, hey, you know, we, we, we got your letter. Um, and and, and uh, what if you're not starting? Right? And, and he said, would you play another position? I said, I said, you got my letter. Right? Yeah. I said, no. I said, I think I'm better than the guy you got. Mm-hmm. And if you, do, if you don't want somebody cocky like that, don't draft me. I'm cool. Wow, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I got a right. question, and I know you're gonna like this question. Though, but how did you feel about <laughs> how did you feel about with the whole like Lamar, like Lamar Jackson thing, like when he, you know, got drafted, you know, you should switch your position. Like, how did that make you feel? Because that was something that you, you know, like went through. Yeah, it's it's the same old story. Like I said, I was a black quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. That that narrative still exists, mm-hmm. and there's still a tremendous amount of bias in how uh, black men are perceived in a lot yeah. of different ways, yeah. as leaders, as thinkers, mm-hmm. um, and so that and 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 football. You know, you're gonna get me on my little soapbox, but like. <laughs> You know, like the, the whole NIL thing even is, to me, is the worst thing that happened to black football players and basketball players mm. in the history of our game. Because what it says is that we don't care if you get an education anymore. Mm. And, and, mm. and I, yes, do I think y'all should be compensated? I do, but because there's a lot of money out there. Mm-hmm. But I think it should be attached to your education. I right, that. and I and I think like ah, if, if, you, if yeah, people okay. start saying that you know what's your brand? Well, your brand is in the classroom. Your brand is not on the field because there's going to be a shelf life. I'm not an old man. I, I feel old, right? <laughs> yeah. but I'm not an old man, and it's my education in my classroom from Syracuse University that's carried me throughout my life. Not the game. Right. It's easy to talk about the game and to say all these, you know. But trust me, um, what I did 30, 35 years ago is not put money in my bank account right now. I still got to go to work every day. Yeah. Okay. And that's, and that's that's the classroom. I see. I see you talk about. I heard you talk about the like how they see black quarterbacks as thinkers and things like that. Little do they know they can say what they can say what they want. But you being quarterback, black quarterback, and you not being a great thinker, you was calling your own plays. Yeah, exactly. On an undefeated team, yeah. like he yeah. really was doing it. So like all that not wanting you to play quarterback, that's that's that's, that's wrong. That's it, messed and up and then back then it was it was more it was blatant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pro- oh, when yeah. I when I got to the NFL, there were only six black quarterbacks in the league. In and the and on th- on four teams, because hmm. it was it was Warren you know Warren Moon and Reggie Slack well, Slack came out a year after me, um, but I was in Philly. I backed up two black quarterbacks in the NFL: Randall Cunningham and Warren Moon. Mm, okay, right. So <laughs> it wasn't like there was a lot of opportunities, and it was very few opportunities to be a backup black quarterback. Mm-hmm. And that's why one of the things I said at the time is that when you see real progress, you, is when you see backups. Because the backups is ba- a backup quarterback in the NFL is the greatest job in the history of the planet. Mm. <laughs> You get you get paid well. Think about it. Though, yeah. You don't play. You chilling. <laughs> you chilling. You don't think about you it. Are, you can skip out of the facility yeah. on Sunday night. Right? You go to bed. You, you, yeah, you go to bed. Hey, man, oh, that's right. Night before the game. I ain't and and by the way, during the week in practice, you don't get. You get like three reps. That's what I was about to say. And you're not getting hit. And you're not getting hit. Right. And you get paid well. The backup black. <laughs> I was thinking about that. You get paid well. Yeah. Like 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 the backup running backs, they getting hit. Yeah. Like a lot of they getting tackled. 
Like QB, you with the headset on. QB's with the headset on, right, exactly. So um, just, you said something that really just hit home. You said, uh, you, you wrote a letter to all the GMs saying yeah. that if you're not drafting me at quarterback, uh, don't take me. So you were ready to just, like, just give up yeah. your, like, your football dreams? Like, 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 what went into that mindset? I'm, I'm, so without getting too, too deep into it, um, yeah, and, and, and I could not, um, you know, I went through the same thing coming out of high school. I, I used to challenge, mm-hmm. I challenged all the high school recruiters. There's a, there's a famous story, uh, it's too long to tell, uh, about being recruited at Penn State. And same thing, I was asking schools, you know, when was the last time your school had a black quarterback? And and it was it was rooted in racism. It was rooted in a, a blatant racism. We're not gonna let this, this black guy represent our institution, mm-hmm. right? The quarterback is the face of the institution, mm-hmm. right? Like the NCAA always says about athletics is the front porch of the school. Well, it's the same thing true about about cities. Like you used to think about if you thought about San Francisco, you thought about Joe Montana, you thought about Miami, you thought about Dan Marino, right? The quarterback was was a symbol of the city, and and so there was a lot of a lot of underlying issues there. That for me, if if I felt like if I changed my position, I was I was selling out, wow. and I was selling out a lot of young younger younger guys, and and there were a few guys ahead of me like Doug Williams and James Harris and uh, Joe Gilliam and a couple of other guys ahead of me and, and you know, Willie Throwaway going back in the day, including a guy named Wilma Sadat Singh, who y'all should know played here in 1938. Came to Maryland. He was a he was a, a black uh, quarterback. He was played quarterback before the position was called quarterback here oh. at Syracuse. And in 1938, <laughs> went to play Maryland. And as to not offend the Jim Crow South, he didn't play in the game at Maryland in 1938. And he was wow. he, and he wow. he was a Tus- he died a Tuskegee Airman. He was a, a Renaissance man. He was an amazing and he played at Syracuse and was and uh, Grantland Rice, who's one of the founders of the National Football Foundation wrote about him after he beat Cornell throwing the ball and compared him to uh, Sammy Baugh and, and Sid Luckman, the great pro quarterbacks of that era. Yeah. And so here was this black guy who people didn't know about, um, who was a, a quarterback. We had, we had a black quarterback in Syracuse every decade except the 60s, mm. since the 30s. That's tough. And so it was, there, was, there was a real a reality to it. And, and my, as I got better and I progressed through high school, I was very aware of it. Um, I'm, I was born in 1965, so I was very aware, aware of the civil rights movement. I was very aware of, of, of the intersection of race and sport. And so, yeah, I was, I was ready to give it up because I wasn't going to – first of all, here's the other part. Like I can, I can, I can you know, talk like I'm talking now on the, on the social justice uh, level, uh, but the reality is I, I can't catch and I ain't hitting nobody. <laughs> right? yeah, so they yeah. wanted me to do other I things that, yeah. and I was saying like if you want a wide receiver we got some here yeah. they better than me <laughs> right? yeah so it was like yeah, I ain't even play I'm not, that yeah. I'm not even doing right I haven't yeah. done that and, and so what they were asking me to do was a setup right because yeah. right. I can't do those things and I'm not going to do those things and so uh, that was the other part of it was like mm-hmm. to do what you guys will just, just tell me now you don't want me on your team and I'll go I'll go away you know I, it's, it's so crazy hearing stories like that because you know, like we hear all the time, like guys like Michael Vick paved the way for Lamar. But it's, it's people like it's it's people like that. you who, yeah. who like you don't even hear these kind of stories. You know, I I think just I just think that you're somebody that really paved the way for a lot of people to for really people like Lamar. Yeah, like Lamar. Lamar did the same thing. I'm not playing a quarterback. It's yeah, the same thing. yeah. And you wouldn't even hear stories like the people. Yeah. I, I never even knew this story like until right now. Aveda Stone played here in the '50s, uh, uh, '40s. Uh, 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 Bernie Custis. Bernie Custis played football here, played quarterback here. Actually, he had the same kind of path. I, I followed his path 30 years later. Mm-hmm. Went and played in the, in the Canadian Football League because the NFL didn't want a black quarterback. 
And so Bernie played here and then went to the, went to, wow. um, and so so we've had, I mean, you know, Syracuse had a black Heisman Trophy winner before the SEC had a black player. Damn. So we have been, you know, a very progressive Damn. campus in that regard. Sure, and so we've yeah. had opportunities for guys to be quarterbacks mm-hmm. here, but there was no opportunity beyond that. So you never heard of them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it wasn't until guys like Willie Throw and, and like Bernie Custis was the first black quarterback to play a professional league, but play professional football, but it was in Canada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there was a, a bunch of guys, and there's a, a couple of people like Rick Burton on campus and Scott Petoniak and, and Kip Conwise are all Syracuse alums, and we're trying to produce a film mm-hmm. about um, about Wilma Sadat Singh um, and, and, and that legacy of black quarterbacks in Syracuse. Wow. I think, again, like just hearing that is just, it's just so dope and crazy, right? But uh, I just wanted to ask you, so – when you made that decision up in your mind, like if they didn't want to take you at quarterback, you weren't going to play, what were you going to do? Like what was going to be next for you? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying because I'm like. That's how, that's a like, big decision. You know what I mean? Because like, people ask us that all the time. And what's our, what's our, what's our answer? Like we going to, you know, we want to, you know, yeah. we, we want to go. And you know, what, you know what eventually it has to be? And this is why I said that the NIL is, is probably the worst thing. Because when you're just chasing money or you're chasing – you know, an NIL deal or just the opportunity to play through the transfer portal. What you're forgetting is this is Syracuse University, mm-hmm. right? And 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 we'll, and if you miss that opportunity to recognize that your fellow alums, like I just emceed our alumni awards two nights ago, a couple of nights ago here on Friday night. Wow. And the, the CEO of JetBlue Airlines is a woman who graduated from Syracuse, right? CEO uh, of JetBlue Airlines. Yeah, right. And so, exactly. Who started Discover? The guy who does the Discover Network. Uh, Dang, Bob I got Discover. Yeah, you got <laughs> Discover, right? I mean, so when you start recognizing that there's so much, so many riches here uh, as an institution, and and every year I've, I've emceed this award ceremony for the last few years, you don't realize the people that have graduated from here, and that are your classmates, right? Are your, your brethren? And, and the president of the United States, Joe Biden, I, I was I was with him at an event yeah. several years ago, and someone said, "Oh, he was vice president at the time." Said, "Oh, you met the vice president?" And I went, "Joe, because Joe's my <laughs> boy." Joe, Joe, Joe is Joe. Because Joe is Joe. Because Joe would come back, come back here, and he'll wear the beat Duke T-shirt on, right? And, and when he was when he was vice president, and I would see him at different things, and the first thing he would say to me was, "He started talking about Syracuse," right? And so when you ask me what I would have done, is what it took me a long time to eventually do was come back to this place. And and just engage in the institution and all the the, the academic riches um, and and all the other riches that this place provides. And mm-hmm. I think if we just focus, like if someone says, "What are you going to do?" That's like asking uh, you know any other student on campus, "What are you going to do when you graduate?" Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a job, right? I'm going to yeah. use my education and get a job, or yeah. I'm going to go to grad school. I'm going to do right. And it's like and, and unfortunately for a lot of black players, it's like this is it. And that's what I don't like about NIL. It's like, yeah, I'm getting paid. No, you're not getting paid. You have the opportunity to use your name, image, or likeness to get paid. For sure. Right? Yeah. And, and that's what that's what the what the law is, what the rule is, right? But the reality is, is how do you leverage this experience? How do y'all leverage this? Being on my, being doing this. Mm. Right. Because right? people get paid to do this kind of stuff. Right? Or people get academic credits to do this kind of stuff. Y'all should be getting academic credits for doing this. Right? right? This is not just a voluntary thing where y'all just get to promote the brand of Syracuse football. How about your individual academic pursuits so that you, you're getting hands-on experience right now being in, on, on camera, on camera and in front of a microphone that Newhouse students would die for. 
to have your platform, think about it like that. right? And they're getting credit for it. They're getting academic credits for it. And they're going to graduate saying, oh, I did this. I had a podcast for, for, for X amount yeah. of years in school. That goes on a resume <laughs> that they hand to someone at ESPN or someone at Discovery Network and say, I have on-air experience. Mm-hmm. Y'all have on-air experience. This should be part of your academics. This should be part of the and, – and that's the part that bothers me about how we have not been – across the board, and I do blame folks at the NCA for not having more imagination about where this whole NIL thing was going, where this whole business is going. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be that, you know, like you look at that picture of the, st- of the dorm right there, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's a, about 40 academic courses in that in that picture. That's so. Right, that that some people might be studying in the classroom and don't recognize that you're in it. You're in a, y'all in a in an academic in a, in a, a business laboratory every day of all the things that go into that. Everything from building the, the roof on the dome. You remember how if you were here, that that project took on its own. The crane mm-hmm. had its own website yeah, or yeah. its own Instagram account. It did, it did. right? It and so did. there's all these different ways that that, that the game is monetized. From all the telecommunications, all the things that you guys are doing here, to the to the the the, the, the field, to the branding, um, just all, and then all the legal stuff and all the stuff that makes that game happen, and that stuff that, that y'all should be studying in the classroom and should be just recognizing how do I leverage the fullness of this experience, not just balling on the field, but how do you leverage all of it? And, and as you, as we've been talking about, things have changed so much, and there's way more opportunities than ever before to leverage this, this experience. Yeah. So when you say, what are you doing after it? I will tell you right now that I started doing programs, talking in schools when I was a sophomore in college here with a program called Athletes Against Drunk Driving. I'm still doing that work today. I wrote a paper for a class, of Professor Marshall Siegel in 1984, and, and the title of the paper was Save and Punch, Different Pay. And it was about the intersection of sports, entertainment, and violence. And it's the work I do today. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I say to your, to your question is, I didn't know exactly what I was gonna do, the place I eventually went to work for, the Center for the Study of Sport and Society at Northeastern University when I retired, didn't exist when I, it barely existed when I was playing. And so there was a field that was just burgeoning and just emerging when I was playing. Just like right now, there's a, there's a whole bunch of them that are emerging, like, you know, like crypto and all these other things mm-hmm. and all these emerging markets and emerging ideas that you all are at the, at the, at the epicenter of. And we, and we should be teaching you how to leverage that because that's the future. Yeah. So it's just, again, like, you know, he's just, you, you got me ready to, like, just rearrange my whole goal. Right like, <laughs> he's giving game right now. Uh, you got me ready. I'm about to go rearrange really my vision board. Right like, now, bro. For real. I'm about to go rewrite some goals down. Like, I but, got a question, too. So, yeah. you know, like, obviously, you know, we're 5-0. We have a bye, and then we have a big game, you know, like you guys have. So, like, yeah. what's some things that, you know, you can – you know, like tell to like to us, and you know some of our teammates that are going to be you know like tuning into the podcast, like mm-hmm. to finish out the rest of the season. Yeah, you know what? Um, I, I was talking to some fraternities last night, and I went I went to one fraternity party in four years, and it was during the bye week <laughs> because I met this guy. <laughs> I met this guy who was working in Manly, and he was vice president of the IFC, and he kept saying, "Why, why don't you go out?" So now nah, I can't get in the Manly. Yeah, any alcohol? Come. Huh? Had any alcohol? No. I didn't. You trying to get that Heisman. You trying to get the Heisman. I was in the mix. Trying to get the Heisman. But I walked into this fraternity house, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. And I, I, the one, the reason why I did it, though, uh, why I went, because he was, he was giving me a hard time, um, is that I really wanted to take a, a little bit of time and get away. Mm-hmm. From and, the game. From the game. And y'all been grinding since August. 
Right. And I, and I always say, what's the, since May. Since May. <laughs> yeah. but, by, but since August, oh, well, maybe yeah, y'all, yeah. Y'all, y'all probably a little different pace than, than we were. We were grinding since August. We were going two days. We were beating each other up. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and so you you take that time to get your mind right, to, to take care of you, maybe to find your, literally to find yourself again, right? Because mm-hmm. it's been team, team, team. Do something for yourself. Yeah, for um, sure. Because it, it's like, you know, it's like the, the, the old adage about on, on the plane, right? Put the oxygen on, on yourself before you can help other people, right? So get yourself right. Get yourself, take a little bit of time for yourself. Take a deep breath and then pace. You know, we pace mm. this next two weeks, mm. right? Because it, it, it's going to take you out of your rhythm a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Not yeah. having to play next yeah. week. Mm-hmm. And so and so make sure that you pace the, over the next two weeks so that you're peaking at the right time. Um, I would say even do something on Saturday together as a team mm. during the time that you would play your game. Okay. There's there's a rhythm to our lives, to it y'all's is. lives. Like, not mine anymore. I'm I'm watching game day when y'all. Get game day. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a rhythm to your to your lives right now that is is you know it's 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 a steady rhythm, and you practice certain hours, you sleep certain hours, right? And and then and then you peak. You want to peak, mm-hmm. right? And everything that they're doing for you, I'm sure, is to make sure you peak at that hour. Right. So do something together. Uh, on, on Saturday, and it could be not football related, but do something together so y'all are even peaking socially, mm-hmm. right, with each other on, on Saturday. Um, and I'm, I'm, this is just me saying it, like, um, to your to your question, like, how how do you deal with that? And I would say the other thing is most as you as best you can, and y'all y'all gonna get this, and and I don't know how you can avoid it. I really don't know how y'all avoid it. It was easier for us. It was easier for previous generations. But stop! Don't listen to don't listen to the media for the next two weeks. Because they're going to be talking and speculating and whether or not y'all 22, 21, coaches poll, this poll, that thing. Um, you know, you're going to have to hear about NC State from everybody else's perspective. Do NC State from your perspective. Mm. And 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 so and try it as best you can. But it's almost impossible nowadays to, to stay focused on what y'all – again, handle y'all business. Yeah, man, I, I just – Again, like everything you everything you're saying, you just you drop so many gems on us today. Giving game, um, you definitely just. Uh, I know, at least for me, I, I, you guys probably can relate too. It's just everything that is like what you cared about never wavered for you. Like mm-hmm. it was like what was most important stood first. Mm-hmm. And I think you know in our I think in our society now, like even me, I struggle with that at times. Right? It's like how do I make sure that what I'm doing is aligning with what I care about the most? Yeah. You know, especially like again, just with all the like social media and you know, Twitter and everything. But um, so just for you, right, when when you knew, okay, I'm done playing football, what, what, like, what was that transition like? Because I think, for me, I was hurt at one point, and I almost lost the right. game. So I had to really have those thoughts for myself, like, okay, what's going to be next? What was that for you when you knew, like, all right, I'm, I'm done playing this game? You know, it was, it was actually a moment um, in a classroom with a bunch of little kids. Like, I started doing programs and during the offseason when I was playing for, for the Eagles, and um, I was running programs in the offseason on Long Island. And and I knew that that's what I was going to do. Like, I was going to continue doing that education work with young people on different social issues. And I remember these little kids, and I write about this in my book, these little kids were challenging me. I was playing in the CFL. I was probably, like, the fourth or fifth highest paid player in the CFL. And at the time, you know, it was barely enough for me to pay rent. <laughs> Right? And yeah. Because it was a conversion to U.S. dollars, yeah, there yeah. was taxes in Canada, yeah. there was taxes here, right? Yeah. All my, those my things. cousin playing the CFL. Yeah, and, and yeah. all those things that you know, you you hear about a million dollar contract, or if it was a million, it's really not a million, 
right? Because the IRS gonna come for their, their, their right? Everybody's yeah. gonna come for their piece. Everybody right? coming for their yeah. the piece. So by the time you get that million, it's really by three hundred, right? Because everybody's got Jeez. their got yeah. their big, right? And so I wasn't making that much money. These little kids were like, "Well, how much money do you make?" And that's all they could think of. And so we, when we talk about you know your values as an athlete, your values and your work ethic. Um, your values and what you believe that, that does not get compromised. When these little kids were asking me how much money I made, and football was never about money. I didn't play in the money era. Randall Cunningham, who was, who was the starting quarterback in, in Philly, I remember getting my first game check, and I, my, my salary was like 80000 or something like that. Randall signed a million-dollar contract. I saw his check in the elevator. I was like, didn't want to get off the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> right? He showed me his game check. So it wasn't. it really wasn't about the money, although the money was there, but it yeah. wasn't. And so, when these kids asked me about money, and they, went, and they, and they were like, Are "You pay make this much millions?" I'm like, "Nah." And they were like, Psh. "I was like, man, I got to make a decision. Do I want these kids to just see me as y'all are? You know, now nowadays it's a little different because y'all have so much more exposure." Mm-hmm. Um, I was right. like a, a, a three inch figurine on television that was interrupted by commercial every you know thirty minutes, right? right? And so that's yeah. all they saw, and and, and and I didn't have ability to as y'all do to to craft yeah. an identity nice. and 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 express yourselves in different ways. And so for me, the moment that I knew I wanted to give it up was was that it was one of those moments with little kids yeah. that all they saw was where the business was going, and not what it truly meant to be an athlete. Because mm-hmm. I always say that. that you know, people think of, of the iconic moments, the game, Saturday afternoon. I told the pe- people yesterday, I said, you know those guys who played last night? They were in film study right now. Mm-hmm. Half of them in the weight room, training room, they're mm-hmm. in film study right now. They are not sitting back going, oh, we five and no. Yeah, they nah. are working right now. Nope. They are working. Nice. And so that, to me, was the thing that I always wanted people to know is that that's what the, the game is not game day. That's the, all, that's the business. That's the business. The game is what y'all do every single day in preparation mm-hmm. for the game. For Saturday. That's right. Mm-hmm. For sure. And uh, you have a book. Yes. Right? So can you talk a little bit about that? It, it is. So um, the title is You Throw Like a Girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when I when I retired, I went to, to Northeastern uh, University, and I went there because of a guy named Richard Lapchick, whose father signed the first black player in the NBA in 1950. And so Richard's a white man doing work around racism in sport. So as I said, I was a black quarterback, right? And that's where I went, thinking I was going to continue that work. And I met this guy named Jackson Katz and started working with this guy who had just created a gender violence prevention program. And the whole idea of it was to get men to speak out about all forms of men's violence against women and to have this conversation around masculinity and and what it means to be a healthy and whole man. Yeah. And I was twenty. I have a chapter in the book titled Twenty Nine. I was twenty nine years old the first time I heard, I heard anybody talk about those things. I knew about it. I had seen violence in relationships when I was in high school and here, and um, but we never talked about it. And it was that silence that I always refer to as as my greatest privilege was not having to be engaged in the in the conversation. And so I was hooked immediately. As I say, always say that Jackson asked me to use a privilege I didn't know I had my silence around masculine mm-hmm. and, and being a man um, to use to address a problem I didn't know was mine. And the problem that was mine is that men's violence against women is overwhelmingly male behavior. We call it a women's issue, but it's our stuff. Mm. And, and, and so 
eight, so that's the problem that is mine. That's my responsibility. It's like I say, racism is, is the is the responsibility of white people to, to correct. Yeah. Right? Black people have been making a lot of noise about racism for a long time. It's not going to change until white people confront each other. And 100%. the same thing with, uh, about sure. men's violence against women. I and and here's where I am now. The, the the subtitle of the book is the blind spot of masculinity. And if I my privilege is my silence, that's the blind spot to my growth. Cool. And so. Part of what I'm doing, and what I'm doing on campus right now, is is what I refer to as aspirational masculinity. Not what I want y'all to take out of who you are as men. What I want for you as men, and that was a piece, you know, even with the with the team in '87 when we took that pledge to be alcohol free. It was like, what do I want for you? I don't just want you to not have alcohol. Yeah, I want you to have win. this. Yeah, I want so you to have win. this undefeated season. Yeah, I want you yeah. to have this win. I want you to have this love that we have for each other as men that, that, that has transcended those years that we talk every day. We got guys, we were texting, texting this morning. And so when I talk about aspirational masculinity, I talk about having healthy, whole, loving. I, I want young men to live in awe of themselves and of each other, and that awe is authentic, whole, and evolving. Yeah. Right, so that you're living your authentic self, you're living your whole self, your whole loving, caring, vulnerable self, and, and supporting each other in doing so, and that you're evolving. I'm 57 years old, man, I'm still figuring stuff out. Right, you still learn. Think about when you came here as a first year student and who you are now, yeah, right? You have evolved, you haven't yeah. just changed, you have evolved, uh -huh. right? And so how do we as men encourage that in a positive way, which is also part of the, the bigger conversation around sexual violence prevention and all that. But I actually think that that is the bigger conversation that mm. we as men need to have. Yeah, for sure. You said something that would like really hit home. You, you said women's something is because of men. I think, like you said, like women's toxicity or something is because of like what we do. Of, of what we got going on. Yeah, what we got going on. Yeah. Can you dive into that a little bit? You mean the problems that women face? Yeah, as we say, it's because it's because of like what like what men like. It is we're the ones committing the violence, right? Yeah. And so one of the things, um, you know, when you start looking at violence prevention, if you're going to truly prevent it from happening, you have to understand that overwhelmingly it's male behavior. So you have to dive mm -hmm. into what's going on with men and boys, right? And there's a, a feminist scholar named Bell Hooks who passed away actually last year. Um, and, and she's the, one, the only person I quote in, in my book. And, and the quote is that the first act of violence that patriarchy asks of males is not violence against women, it's violence against ourselves. And if we don't do a good enough job of cutting off our emotional competency, right, sucking it up, man up. As little boys, oh, yeah, we learn that, yeah, right? Yeah. If we don't do that, then we'll enact rituals that do it for us, which is like hazing. And I say sports is one of them, right? Yeah. Like you man up, right? Yeah, and so yeah. we learn that. And, and our sport is the, like the ultimate of that. Um, I say ultimate, but you hear the same sort of language in golf, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. and so, um, so we learn we learn as guys, as, as boys, and this is the this is sort of the tragic thing that that like when I talk about evolving, is that we learn as boys to ignore our feelings, suck it up, man sure. up, right, push on, push through, and then we learn to distrust them because if we're not using them and practicing them and engaging with our feelings and our emotions and being honest about it and how we express to other people, then we begin to distrust it. Right, I'm not sure if this is the right time to say something to, to you yeah. know. And then as you get older, you think you're not worthy of it. You know, and I will tell you as a as a 57 year old man who's going through things in my own personal life, um, sometimes I think I'm not worthy of of not just love, but of of, of my full whole self. That's real. Of uh, being able to express it, being able to share it, being able to share it and have it be respected and heard. Mm -hmm. And so you hold back. 
right? You don't share it. You, mm-hmm. you don't express. And so, and that's one of the most damaging things for us. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'll tell you that the subtitle of my book is The Blind Spot of Masculinity. And, the, and I said the blind spot is that we, um, you know, our privilege keeps us silent and we don't have to engage. I had a list of guys, there were 33 guys on the list um, when, when, when my daughter asked me who these guys were. And there were 33 guys that I knew or played with in this game that were dead. And six of them were suicides. Including Chris Gedney, who who was a teammate, who not a teammate, but was a friend here and worked here on campus, and um, and and so many guys that I mean, I got five, six guys I played ball with my college roommate, a couple guys on that team who were gone, five, six guys in, in the NFL, and, and I don't necessarily, you know, one of the things that that a lot of these guys didn't do, a lot of guys did, and and some of the more famous suicides like Junior Seau and Andre Waters, yeah. you know, Dave Dorison. So a lot of these guys didn't ask for help, yeah. and, and and that's the thing that why I say we don't feel like we're deserving it. We don't worthy of it. We're supposed to suck it up. We're supposed to man up. No, you're supposed to say I'm struggling, I'm hurting, I need help, 100%. and to be able to say that, and that's a strength. We don't consider that a strength, and that's why you know that, that quote by Bell Hooks is that that's the first act of violence that men are expected is on ourselves mm. to truly. And so, so. I have to start there before I can say anything about violence against women because we got to deal with our own stuff first, yeah, right? Yeah. And so hurt people hurt people, yeah, right? And so when we as men are ignoring who we are, we transfer that. Yeah, to, uh, to on others. Correct. That's a big thing in, yeah. like, not just in college football, but, you know, just in life in general, like, yeah. you know, like with men, like just, you know, just your mental, like, you know. Yeah, look at us. Like your, look your at mental we, state, like it's, it's crazy, like. In college, you know, I can say, like speaking for myself, like it's that's really like a big thing, and that's not something that a lot of people like focus on. Like they, you know, put it in mm-hmm. the shadows and behind when that's something that really need to be like brought to the light and like talked about. Because like you said, like men want to hide their emotions and not express themselves, and you know, it doesn't always turn out to be the best thing for them. That's yeah. facts. Yeah. And I think what I was gonna say, there's another layer that is expected of y'all, and. And we can dissect the race side of it, right? When black men are the most feared people on the planet, right? He never gun, but he had some. He had black skin. He was, I was afraid, right? And, and, but but there's that there's that piece as black men, but there's also that piece as athletes. And people think that y'all. I mean, we are more aware now than ever before head injuries and all that. Um, but there's also that that notion that y'all are impervious to pain, right? And 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 we see you. Uh, I had a, a friend of mine at the game the other day. She had never been to a football game before. She's like, the uniforms—they look like stormtroopers, right? <laughs> and if you think, and, and she had never been to a game before, so she was looking at the uniforms. And I said, well, the stormtroopers actually mouthed after us, right? <laughs> and, 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 but, but if you think about the stormtroopers, they had no personality, mm-hmm. right? They had no faith, they had no expressions, mm-hmm. and 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 very often for y'all, that's what people see. And there's this notion that you are not human beings under there. And 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 we can start to own that as as athletes, right? That I'm supposed to be this. I'm supposed to go out there and, and leave it all on the field, which you are supposed to. That's what we do. For sure. And you're going to do that. But to your point, you have to recognize that y'all are also human beings mm-hmm. and 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 sweet, kind, loving human beings. And 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 that's the other thing what I said before about y'all being intentional because nobody outside here wants you to be that. 
they want you to kick North Carolina State's ass and not care, mm-hmm. right? That's why fans are the ones who, fans are the worst, right? They want you to just kill them, disrespect <laughs> them. You're like, wait, I've been watching them on film all week. They can ball out too, yeah, right? Yeah, so they so, so I got mad. Yeah, they owe scholarship too, right? So I got respect for them. I remember when fans would say, oh, talk bad about the team. Man, you should come watch film. They're, they're pretty good. Yeah, right? nothing wrong with saying that either. That's exactly right. You got to respect them. That comes in with respect the game like not just respecting them it's just a game like yeah. we're, we're talented like we do this so you gotta respect the man across from exactly you. i think hearing you say that is, is just so refreshing to hear because like how i was saying earlier i think in the sport that we in like just growing up it's like you hear that all the time be tough like suck it up you know what mm-hmm. i mean like, and, and i think even for me now like just with everything with this podcast and you know us playing well it's like you you like you said earlier about taking time to just get away from it and just kind of like re find yourself again I just think that's just so important because it's easy to get caught up in everything right it's easy like it's easy to get caught up in what like what the fans want and you know what everybody else wants but like you said just being intentional and I just man I, I think for me again it's just I, I done reevaluated all my <laughs> all my goals and my wants because like what you're saying is just is just so important I think what really hits home the most for me is like what you like just talking about um, not caring so much about yourself and focusing on what like what's best for the team, and ultimately that's going to help you out. So, um, so just you know, just transitioning into you know just the end of this interview, um, what pushes that? Like what what like what motivates you to have this kind of impact? You know, for students, yeah. you know, for athletes in today's world. Like, where was this who you were on the team? Because Obviously, you like you said, you evolved. So, like, what pushed that now? Because obviously, that's what you're like pushing out there: impact, men, mental health, everything like of that nature. So, and what, so, and what people helped you to like to yeah, evolve? Like, yeah, what, what people like just played a part into you being the dumbest person right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I mentioned uh, a Professor Marshall Siegel um, when I was in school. He was the he was the first faculty who treated me like a student mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. not the football player. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was lucky enough to have a guy named Barry Wells um, who babysat me as a kid, who was a dean of students here. He was he was, he was associate dean of arts and sciences when I got here. My parents were comfortable with him, knew him. Like I said, he, he grew up across from my grandparent, my grandmother, and and so I had great people here right. um, who, who who helped steer me and um, and it was. It, it, it was a little bit like, you know, when I was in school, I used to, six songs I used to listen to before every game. And, 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 and I got songs too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody got, got songs. Everybody got the songs, right? <laughs> and you would be surprised. Yeah, I had the AirPods. Right. Which, which yeah, I, had, which I had the, the walk. Which yeah, I had. The, walk, the Walkman. Yeah, walkman the Walkman. Like cassettes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> what would you say? Walkman? Yeah, a Walkman. You, yeah. You know the Walkman? Put the CD? Yeah, it was like a cassette. No CDs. I think I know. Before CDs. I had eight track, man. I'm old. I'm old. Old school. I'm for real old school. I had the pages. Y'all trying bags. Yeah, yeah. Let me. You really need to pay phone call you back. I watch old movies. I'm an old soul. <laughs> no, I'm trying to tell you for real. I'm really old soul. But yeah. Yeah. So, so two of the songs that I used to listen to, and I won't, I won't give you all, all right, <laughs> but two of, the, two of them were from the film Yentl, which is a Barbara Streisand film. Right now, you can imagine people think, and this is why why I said about people thinking about football players. People think, oh man, you listening to something violent or rap or yeah. something, you know? Or, on that dang on trumpet song, whatever it is, whatever that is, man. Well, y'all got rid of that, man. Get something original. That's a Mets picture thing. <laughs> got you. <laughs> right? So, uh, it, but it wasn't that. This film Yentl 
uh, and it's going to sound really funny. And there's some people who, if they know Barbra Streisand and they know the film Yentl, it's about a little a little girl who, um, her, her dad was a rabbi in in Western Europe, and um, she knew the Bible because of her dad. But she was a girl; she wasn't allowed to study. And so when her dad died, she <laughs> people might be laughing. Her dad died. She cut her hair, put a hat on, and she faked like she was a boy to go to Hebrew school. And she was wow. the most learned in the Hebrew. And it's, it is a Barbara Streisand film. If you don't know anything about Barbara Streisand, she's always kind of, there's always some some whimsical, you know, love affair story in, embedded in it. But it's always, it's, it's and so, it, and it's a musical. Mm-hmm. Right, but the lyrics to the songs were all about things like, why have eyes that see and arms that reach unless you're meant to know there's something more. And it was all about this young girl who, or, or, or young woman, who wasn't allowed to study the Bible just because she was a woman. I wasn't allowed to play quarterback just because I was black, right? And so I identified with the struggle that, that and that's in the yeah. lyrics, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I think about, when you ask me about where does that come from, I was not the person that so many people thought I was from the outside. They saw this football player, they yeah. saw this quarterback, they saw this outspoken guy talking about race and all that kind of stuff, and I was still trying to figure out so many things. And so so the songs that I used to listen to really don't if you if you said whose playlist is this, you wouldn't think it was the quarterback of the football team, <laughs> right? They went undefeated. And so because of that, I've had a greater sensitivity to being aware of everyone's identity mm-hmm. and, and who you truly are. And so when I heard this guy, Jackson Katz, talking about men's violence against women, I know that I represented for a lot of people, especially young men and young black men, I represented this this narrow understanding of iconic masculinity. I realized I had to debunk that, right? Because yeah. I would not be tr- being true to myself if I was not saying that's not what being a man is. And we're living this this narrative that that leads to violence, it leads to violence to ourselves, yeah. um, leads to violence towards others, it leads to a lot of depression and all a whole, whole host of other issues that we're not addressing as men. And because of my my outward uh, profile, I, it was incumbent upon me. I felt that immediately when I met this guy Jackson that this is the work that I need to do. Wow, I know we all like his little brother, your little brother. We all got younger athletes that we know that's gonna look up to look up to us and. Mm-hmm. As we look up to you, they're gonna look up to you also. And just as we get this game, keep on going. So, can you give us like some advice to let them know, like just when they get older and get to our position, just how they can just keep on going, have a great mindset and in the sport. Yeah, and, and I think it's, I think it's a little bit of everything that we've been talking about is don't don't see your identity narrowed by being an athlete. Mm-hmm. That that's just one part of who you mm-hmm. are. And 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 also to to develop, no matter what it is to develop other interests because one like you said taking take like I said taking time away from the game and all that is is to expand your understanding of yourself allow yourself um, that latitude of your interests not just football whether it's music or art or mathematics or whatever it is to see all those other opportunities podcast. right all podcast <laughs> right whatever that is so that you can leverage this opportunity in in your life yeah uh, and and the other thing is I, I think for uh, for especially for young boys, is that we we live by this really narrow understand. I call it narrow masculinity. This really narrow understanding of what we're supposed to be tough, strong. We also have to be recognized. And I would say to y'all to ex- be explicit and intentional that we are, are we are also loving and caring and emotional and vulnerable. And to be able to say those things out loud wow, yeah. and and model that for younger men so that they know that there are more options out there than just being a baller. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know. 100%. I, Mr. 
McPherson. Nah, you call me Don. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, uh, we we really just appreciate you yeah. just hopping Absolutely. on, you know, on our podcast. You. Um, you know, you you definitely dropped some gens again. He mob um, now. Yeah, you you mob. They was mob back then. Mob <laughs> <laughs> reincarnated. Like, uh, you know I mean? yeah. And uh, you you definitely just gave us so much knowledge today that I think we're not even going to use for the season before our lifetime. Yeah. And you know, we really just appreciate you and um, you know, hope, definitely going to want to keep in touch with you all, you know, off of this and. You know, we, we just appreciate, you know, like your time spent with us today. And sure. just thank you for real. My yeah. pleasure. Absolutely. Any, any, and I mean this sincerely, anytime. Thank you. Anytime. Appreciate you.